dropped out a few minutes ago that I am a cool guy. And uh, I was kind of excited. I elbowed my wife. Uh, I was sitting in my house Thursday, Friday evening. I got a text from Stephen, and he said, uh, can you be there Sunday? I was having dinner with uh, Mickey Hamill's mother. So I immediately looked at her and said, is Mickey okay? And she said, why? I said, Stephen just asked me to preach. I just want to make sure Mickey's, I mean, it's something we don't know. <laughs> and she said, no, he's in town. He just can't. I said, okay, all right, good. Uh, I don't mind being plan D. I was just worried about my brother, you know. Um, so Mickey would say hi. Uh, Stephen would forget to say hi. Uh, I work with... Uh, you had me thinking, how far back do I go? I don't know. I have no idea how long I've known Stephen or Wayne when he was here. Uh, early 90s, maybe? No? Mid-90s? I've known him as long as my wife tells me I have. I don't remember. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I knew Wayne, Stephen's dad, when he was uh, in the prime of his life, big enough to pick me up, and he did. Walked up behind me, grabbed me by my elbows, picked me up off the floor, and shook me like a rag doll. Uh, as I was about to speak to a large event, and uh, my wife was yelling at him, please put him down, don't break my husband. Uh, it was a very unmanly thing for me. I just kind of... <laughs> I'd like to be a real man, but I'm kind of hanging up here. Um... Anyway, what I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, Roe v. Wade. I don't want you to miss the significance of the moment. I remember taking my children downtown Atlanta in January and marching in silence. I remember praying and begging, God, do something, do something. From the moment I became a Christian, abortion, regardless of how you may feel about it, made no sense to me. We can't kill people. The church is pro-life and always has been pro-life. How do you respond? How do we as believers respond? And by the way, I want to say two things about that quickly. I don't want you to think that the war is over because... The court put down, put aside a case that, to be honest, was never a strong case anyway. Uh, from a legal standpoint, it was weak from the beginning, and everyone knew it on both sides. Um, it just pushed the issue of abortion to the state's level, and the states now will decide. Uh, and honestly... I'll tell you who will decide. It's going to be that young woman that's in a crisis. It's going to be that young woman that is afraid and fearful and doesn't know what to do. She is ultimately the one that's going to decide, and she's the one that doesn't need our applause because Roe v. Wade was put down. She needs our love so that she doesn't feel put down. The case for life is exactly where it's always been, really. It's in the lap of that young lady that's terrified and afraid, 
And the church response to her must be love and kindness and gentleness. We must embrace a young man out of a out of Woodland Park Baptist Church where I was for a while just commented, well, I hope all you conservatives are ready to start adopting all these babies that are going to be born. Boy, that's dumb. I don't know how to respond to that. We've been doing that since day one. We, <laughs> there's always been more demand than there are children that need. That need. We, we have always in the United States been reaching out. But as believers, one of the things that's just amazing is the hatred that's come out from the pro-abortion groups towards us. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I know you know the name, uh, referred to Clarence Thomas, uh, Justice Thomas, as Uncle Clarence, a reference to Uncle Tom. And, uh, and if you're not familiar with that, Uncle Tom's uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, read that, classic, but it is not a compliment. Um, it is an angry, racist term from a man that should not, that, sh- that knows better and should not treat people that way. There's anger out there. I just, uh, my wife found this this morning. Um, let me pull this up and read it to you really quick. Just, I'm just going to read part of it. Um, I have to, and, and please understand, I'm dyslexic, and so reading is a challenge for me anyway on a good day, and I have to skip a word or two in this. So just pray I do. <laughs> or it will never be David back here. It will always be Mickey or somebody else. So I'm going to try to skip the appropriate words. But this is what this person said. Uh, after calling all of us some names, and if you all think I'm kidding, I am dead serious. This was caused by rural conservatives operating out of a Christianized worldview even if they're not Christian, they're heavily influenced by it. And they were the ones that voted for Trump in 16, those disillusioned, redneck, white trash, blue collar um, who flipped the GOP, punished them, punished their towns. They say Black Lives Matter burned the cities to the ground. I say let them see firsthand what it's like when a community is burned to the ground. They want a civil war? They should have been careful what they asked for and voted for. And I left out some of the angry parts. How do you respond to that? How do we respond to that? Now, David Lawson in the flesh thinks that we should load up on handguns and rifles and shotguns. I mean, in the flesh, I'm not saying that this is right. I'm just being transparent. In the flesh, something in me goes, you really? You want some of this? (laughs) A good friend of mine posted immediately following Roe v. Wade, and he asked that question, how do we respond? He said, I think we better choose the way of Jesus. Open your Bible, if you will, Second or First Peter, chapter two, and I want to I want to show you how Jesus responded when people said things like that to him. First Peter, 
chapter 2. 1 Peter is written to a group of people that had been cast away from Jerusalem. They'd been pushed aside. Like James, they had been thrown away from what they understood as Judaism. These are his, his target audience, Jewish believers. But they can't go to temple anymore. They can't, and they did. They did until the first big wave of persecution, but not now, not now. They, it's, it's almost like I'm going to write to you and help you understand how to respond to the world around you because it's crazy. And there he begins to talk about uh, in chapter 2 how we are to walk without malice in this world and, and lay aside hypocrisy and, sl- and all these things. But look down at verse 20. I'm going to pick up in the middle of a paragraph on how we should be responding to the world. And he uses Jesus as the illustration. And this is what he says, starting in verse 20. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? In other words, I let the flesh get the best of me, and I sin, and I get treated badly for smarting off, or I, get, I go to jail because I hit somebody. He said, what good is that? Well, it's not. I mean, there's nothing valuable about that. But what's this? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, look at this, an example for you to follow in his steps. What is the example? Verse 22 who commit, he who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while, watch this, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Now I want to pause there. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. It's an odd word, revile. I know you did not use it in a sentence this week, this month, this year. We just don't use it. The translations still use it, even the ESV used it. I didn't check some of the others, but revile is actually a Latin word. And uh, if you look it up, it'll say that it means to revile, um, which is, is not helpful for me because that's the reason I was looking it up. It's, it's the idea of, of attacking someone verbally. It's the idea of putting them down, of criticizing them to the point of destruction. It is the idea of killing them with your words. I want to speak to this plant so harshly and angrily that it wilts in front of me. I want to kill it. Revile. And that, that, that re in the front, we, we always think in terms in, in our English of, of do it again, of, of revisiting this and, and do it again. And it carries that idea, but it's, it's even a little stronger than that in the Greek. It's just keep on. Just keep on driving it home until you crush them. 
when you are reviled, when they treat you like that, it's that idea that, that, that they're, they're calling you redneck, white trash, low birth. You weren't born in royalty. You're some kind of backwoods hick. I mean, just on and on and on. It's that idea. When they treat you like that, when they treat you like the woman that I just read, what do you do? Man, my inner lawyer comes out, and I cut them apart. He says, no, 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 that's not. He said, when you are reviled, you do not respond in kind. I do not give evil for evil because my example was they treated Jesus that way, and he didn't respond that way. Remember the bracelet? What would Jesus do? (laughs) There's actually nothing wrong with that. Think about it. What would he do? Okay, what did he do? He could have called 10,000 angels. Can you, and, and just for a minute, just sanctified imagination maybe, what must it be like to be one of those angels sitting on the edge of heaven, ready, watching, and thinking, do you know who you're talking to? Let me at him. Let me at him. Let me at him. I got this. Let, let me. And Jesus doesn't utter a word about, come on. Stephen, seeing heaven, says, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. He said, do not revile when you're reviled. In other words, I don't respond in kind when they respond in anger and hatred. And by the way, this is what I'm seeing from that world. Everyone's, the, the left is screaming about race now. We're talking about abortion. Oh, they're going to they're gonna reverse uh, all these, uh, they're screaming about race. Uh, you did know that Thomas was one of the lead guys on this, and he's, but Samuel L. Jackson attacked him anyway because it wasn't really about skin color. It was about, I want you to think the way I think. I hope Thomas responds appropriately, but I don't know what he will do. I know that when they're in our face, we must Respond appropriately. Now, watch this. I want you to go down a little further into chapter 3. And watch how Peter says the same thing again to us. Um, Let me make sure I said what I wanted to say. Yeah, low-born, worthless, morally. One of the fun things about that Latin phrase also means morally flawed. They accuse you of being morally flawed. They're accusing Christ, literally is what it's saying, of being morally flawed. He's God in the flesh. What, I, he defines moral. How do you, how do we respond? Look down chapter, uh, a little further in chapter 3, verse 8. To sum up, everything that I've been saying is what Peter is getting at. All of you, this is it. Be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Now watch. Not returning evil for evil. 
insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Not returning evil for evil, not reviling when we're reviled, not attacking when we're attacked, responding passively, not aggressively, being kind, not ugly, being gentle, not attacking. That's how we're just the left, David. Actually, no, this really works well in marriage, too. Not that I'd say anything about your marriages, but gentlemen, it works. You can have a fight, or you cannot respond in anger. Ladies, I do know that he pushes your buttons, but you can respond under the power of the Holy Spirit in kindness and gentleness, not in kind. Does that make sense? Now, I realize that because Peter wrote this, and I've already told you that his target audience was probably Jewish, that most of you are Gentiles, and so it'd be easy to go, <laughs> miss that one. Yeah, Gentile. I don't fall under that whole Jewish thing. Well, number one, you, you really do because you and I as Christians are grafted in Romans 11 to the root, which is Judaism. We're grafted into the family. We're not under the same law, but we're grafted into the same root. But I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 20, wisdom for everyone. Now, Proverbs 20. Uh, I want you to see that there's a pattern here. Proverbs 20, verse uh, 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Instead, wait for the Lord, and he will save you. Do not say, I will repay evil. I, they come at me, I'm going to give it right back to them. He said, no, wait for the Lord. Chapter 24, Proverbs 24, verse 29. Do not say, thus I shall do to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. He said, don't do that. Don't say that. I'm going to give, give back twice as hard as he gives it to me. I'm going to make him regret the day he attacked David Lawson. He said, no, 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 don't do it. Wait for the Lord. Don't give it back. In other words, don't respond in kind. Respond in love. When you're attacked, you respond in gentleness and in love, not in the manner. Does that make sense? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. Middle of the early, early in the Sermon on the Mount. Not the middle, first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 38, I'm sorry. Matthew 5, 38. Jesus is speaking, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you respond in kind. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Whoever asks of you, do not turn away from from him. 
whoever wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Are you uncomfortable yet? He's going to sue you and take your shirt. Give him your coat too. He's going to take everything I have. Okay. What do you, how do I respond? I trust that the Lord is going to take care of it. If he slaps me. Now, I will tell you that I, I was not raised in church. So it took a little longer for me to adopt some of the ideas that you may have grown up with in church. Uh, I was a police officer in Atlanta, gave my life to Christ, and walked into Christianity as a uh, very aggressive uh, drunk. Uh, I was a functioning drunk. I had a job, and I hadn't been fired yet. But the military had been more than willing to give me a lot of trouble about my drinking. Matter of fact, they're the ones that defined me as an alcoholic. Uh, I didn't tell Atlanta when they hired me that the what the military had said. Uh, I needed a job, and they were looking. But God sobered me up immediately, and so you got this freshly sober, very aggressive individual who now goes to church on Sunday morning and hears that I'm to turn the other cheek. I was confused. I had two cheeks. Okay, I'll turn once. And then when you hit the second one, I will deck you. I... If it, we had trouble. I didn't know what to do with all of this. And then I listened to sermons where they were really trying to figure it out too. But I'll tell you, the best sermon is actually the ones that Jesus preached, and this is what he said. Don't resist it. Don't resist evil. Respond in kindness and gentleness and love. Now, I know there's something, you have some fear probably that comes up in our hearts. It says, how far will that go? I don't know. I don't know how far God may take it. But I guarantee you that it's he that is in control to bring us, us into a place of total unconditional surrender to him and to walk in the light and the power and the presence of his spirit. And he will do whatever it takes to bring me from where I am to that place where my heart is unconditionally surrendered to him. And sometimes he does that by putting me in those places where I'm attacked to watch my response. Not that he doesn't know what my response is. I need to know what my response is. And then I'm going, wow, okay. Does that make sense? How do I respond in this particular case to Roe v. Wade? There's a lot of jumping up and down, a lot of applause, a lot of screaming, rightfully so. There's a lot of celebration. I texted two men yesterday who had been on the front line of the movement. One uh, is now a convicted felon because of being arrested at a crisis at an uh, abortion clinic. Oddly enough, both of these men from the very front line, both of these men that fought, both of these men that lost money, both of these men that, that worked and prayed at the front lines, both men responded quite gently to the decision. They were happy, but they weren't celebrating it. 
the way that we might think of a party, they were celebrating it quietly because they realized the way to respond, the way I respond, is going to say to the whole world, going to say to the whole world, how, how would Jesus respond? In other words, my response should glorify God. If it doesn't, I just need, I need to back up and start over. How shall I respond? He said, it slaps you on the cheek, let him do it again. He wants to take everything you got, let him have it. The point being, do not respond evil for evil. Do not respond violence for violence. Now, I know everybody's going to come up with five exceptions, ten exceptions. What about, well, I will protect my family. Well, I will too. But it's not really about someone breaking in my home and killing my family. It's really about insults more than injury. Slap on the cheek is not a death blow. It's not somebody attacking me with his fists. It's an insult. How do I respond? I don't respond in kind. Look over at uh, Romans 12. And by the way, I am, don't panic. I'm not looking at every place that this idea is in Scripture. I, I only grabbed a handful just to make the point. But it's over and over and over throughout Scripture, the same idea. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Just keep going back over to the right. 1 Thess 5. If you're not sure, all the T's are together, and they start with the longer T words to the shorter, so it's the second one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for another, for one another, for all people. See to it, no one repays evil for evil. Now, that's just a handful of the references. Over and over and over through Scripture, it's exactly the same thing. Do not repay evil for evil. Don't give insult for insult. Don't attack when attacked. Don't reply in kind. Reply kindly when you're attacked. Don't reply in kind. Reply kindly when you're attacked. At least seven crisis pregnancy centers have been attacked in the last couple of days at least seven. There is anger in this world. Our country is divided. The church is divided. I'm surprised at how many Christians are pro-abortion. I, I 
think that they just have not thought through the ramifications. But listen, in the division, it's not going to help if I continue to draw hard lines based in anger and aggression. What happens is it only cements positions. When I was police officer in Atlanta, uh, it was the 80s, a long time ago. My hair was still black. It was that long ago. Long, long ago, far, far away. And they were hiring everyone they possibly could because they were losing as many as they could hire. Um, men were quitting and leaving because in the 80s, Atlanta was in the top five of the most violent cities in the U.S. Which year in the 80s, David? The 80s, plural. From the late 70s through the end of the 80s, Atlanta was always in the top five. New York, Chicago, Atlanta, always those top three. L.A. was always there. San Diego even got in occasionally, and that was just weird, but... Yeah, but they did. Just before they hired me, they had two officers killed in the line of duty. And they were desperate to change the training so that they didn't keep losing people. So they introduced a novel idea, I think out of L.A., and it was the idea of de-escalating a crisis instead of escalating a crisis. It was, it was scary, almost biblical. The idea was when you encounter that aggressive male, you try as hard as you can to de-escalate the situation. It usually happens by going gently instead of showing up and going Type A aggressive, I will beat you to death, son, and if I can't, I, I will call for help, and we will show up with sticks and clubs until we get enough guys in here to drag your lifeless body out. You're in a fight. The moment you do that, you've got to fight. You just dared him. You just double-dog dared him, and he has to do it. A double-dog dare, I mean, what are you going to do? You get, you're in, man. It's, no. You begin to talk. You would be shocked how many people you can talk into jail by being kind and nice and gentle. It took a little practice. I fought a lot the first several months. But as I began to practice, you would be surprised. A lot of things worked themselves out. And then I went to church, and they said, don't reply in kind. Reply kindly. And I went, this is what we're doing. Go gently. Go gently. Go gently. Do not respond evil for evil over and over and over. Why? Because that's not who you are. You are born again. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have a new heart. Respond gently. It works in marriage. It works with your kids. If you raise your voice, they have to raise their voice. If you lower your volume, they have to lower their volume to hear what you're saying. 
You should try it. You should try it. How do I respond in this world to the anger and the viciousness and the vile things that they're saying about us? When they say that they're going to come and burn down our communities. And I left out the worst parts. How do I respond? Bring them a cup of coffee. I hope it's not on a Sunday because I'd like to offer them Chick-fil-A. Perhaps I shouldn't, I know, but invite them in. Ask them to have a seat. Now, this is the last thing I want to say. You would be totally shocked. We have a lot in common with them. Many on the left, most, are concerned about the way that people are treated, and they see us as treating people badly. They're concerned that the down and out are taken care of, and they don't think that we do that. They're concerned not for the woman that's pregnant that can afford to go anywhere and get an abortion. They're concerned for that woman that didn't, desperately didn't want to be pregnant. She's afraid and terrified and doesn't know what to do. And they're concerned that we're going to treat her like dirt. They want people loved, and they don't see us as loving. And when we respond in kind to the comments, when we return evil for evil, they go there. I told you so. You see how they are, those Christians? But when we respond in love and kindness, modeling the way of Christ, who did not revile when he was reviled, it takes all of the wind out of their sails. It takes some of the fire out of their system. It helps them to relax. And it may open the door for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I wanted to share. That's what I wanted to share. I do a lot of work in South Asia, work with pastors, Nationals, we train nationals to do the work of the ministry. One of our nationals was, was beaten viciously, tried to kill him when he confessed his Christianity to his father. He got away, running through the jungle, managed to find a town, and a Christian was mentored, went into ministry. In COVID, his village was starving. They were off the radar. Government wasn't helping. Through a long series of connections, we managed to get money into that particular country, which is complicated. And we bought food and rented a truck. And he loaded it up, and he drove that truck full of food to his village where they had tried to kill him. He returned good for evil. And when he got out of the truck, they recognized him. And they were, they were weeping and crying and saying over and over, we tried to kill you. Why did you bring us food? He said, because I am a Christian. And that's what we do. That was one out of 17 villages, 17 villages that were fed, 17 villages that be, not 
we'll share the gospel and then give you the food. We'll give you the food. 17 villages where they said, why are you doing this? He said, well, I'm a Christian. Well, tell us about that. 17 villages, 265 people gave their life to Christ and were baptized. And we've got churches in those villages now because they didn't respond in kind, they responded kindly. Actually, all this goes back to vacation Bible school when you were kids. You remember that song? I know you do. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful. Little tongue, what you say. Actually, I think Vacation Bible School could make all of us great Christians. Let's close in prayer. Father, we recognize that you alone are God, and besides you there is no other. But at the same time, I recognize that we so often want to take matters into our own hands, and in a sense, we want to be God or play God. Don't let us do that. Father, I pray that you would use this crisis to save unborn children. I pray that women would find love in the church and the church would, would respond with such amazing kindness that the left would be wondering about you. But Father, I also pray that you would use this in our hearts and lives to teach us to respond gently as Christ did. Father, I pray that we would respond kindly, we would respond calmly, we would respond gently. I pray that our speech would be seasoned with salt, our hearts would be tender towards you, that we would be filled with your spirit, we would share the gospel, because I know that in this culture war, the only thing that counts is the gospel, and I ask that we would do that and see your hand at work bringing new life into the kingdom. Now, just for a moment, where you are, head bowed, eyes closed, just talk to God about your language. When this week have you responded wrongly? If you have, just own it. Confess it. Ask him to keep you sensitive this week to the people around you. That we would speak kindly. My Father, we love you. I know we don't always act like it, but we do. We, we, we love you. Lord, would you please keep us sensitive this week because I know that 
saying something like this or listening to something like this and reading these passages is a setup and we will have we will be challenged Father I pray that we would see it as an opportunity and keep our heart and mind focused on you in Jesus name